You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Um, we're going we're gonna to jump right in. We've got, uh, I don't know exactly what the Lord has for the end of this, but I want to make sure that we leave the space for what He needs to do there in the end. So we're going to jump right in. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. We read this last week. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. In Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, it says, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing now. It springs forth. Do you not perceive it? And we had this question that the Lord presented to us last week was, are we willing to let go of what has been in Sundown, Texas to receive what will come? Are we willing to lay down what has been so that we can, we can, we can arrive at what the Lord has for us now? He asked us this question, and He asked afterwards this question, are you ready? If your answer is yes, I am ready to lay down that which has come and that which has gone, not, not forget about. Don't for, we're, that's not what we're doing. We stand upon the shoulders of those who came before. Amen? Amen? Praise God. We stand upon the shoulders. That is the nature of the kingdom of heaven. It is constantly growing, constantly increasing. We are made for an ever-increasing glory, not a stagnant one. Right? Ever-elevating, ever-increasing higher into heaven. But are we willing to let go of what has been in order to behold what has to come. I've had this conversation with several people throughout the community this week, and this, this is collectively where so many people's hearts are, and it brings me such great joy, such joy to have these conversations with, uh, with leaders in our community and to express this, this question of, are we willing to let go of what has been to receive what is to come? And they're all saying yes. And that is so encouraging that the leadership of this city is on board with this. To take hold of what he desires. To allow his restoration to come and to wash over us and then wash over this city. He desires to restore you to your place of leadership. We talked about this last week. The worldly restoration is to restore something back to its former glory. So if you have a truck or an old car... When you restore that old car, you restore it to the day it drove off the lot or it drove off the factory floor. To its starting point is what you restore it to. But in the kingdom of heaven, he does not restore you back to the starting line. He puts you back at the lead of the race. It doesn't matter that you didn't run when the gun went off. He will place you where you would have been if you had walked with him every moment of every day. Because he will not allow the locust to take anything from you. It will be as though you have existed with him in entirety, all the days of your life. That is the goodness of God, and that is the restoration of God. He will place you where He would have you be now. He will not place you back at the starting line. But we must first be willing to receive it. We read in Ezekiel 47 about the river, the river of life flowing through the city, flowing through Jerusalem. We're just going to read a few of these verses, and verse 9 is where we'll start. In Ezekiel 47, it'll be on the screen. If you have your Bibles, we're in verse 9. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish, for this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea. From Ingadi 
to, I don't know how to say those. Let's just move on. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be, a very, uh, be of very many kinds like the fish of the great sea, but its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. And we see this again. We, we see this reference of the tree planted by, by this river of living water. We see it referred to in Psalm 1 verse 3. He is like a tree, this man that is firmly planted in the word of God. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruits in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does, he prospers. And we know that these leaves also, we, we think of uh, in, in, in the world, we see, we see leaves and they're just, they're for shade and they do that, but the fruit that it bears, that's really what we're after. But in Scripture, what the Lord is saying, that even the fruit that you bear, this will be a big deal, but even the leaves that come from you will be for healing for our nations. That even the leaf, what we disregard, what we just rake up and put into a bag, these leaves will be healing for the nations. And you will bear fruit and your leaves will be healing for the nations. This is a massive promise. This is a massive statement from the Lord. These two passages, though, they point out a very interesting point that I think we often overlook. And if you just think about it, think about this tree, this example that it gives us twice. What does a tree's roots do? They go and they go and they go and they dig and they move out and they spread out until they find what? Until they find water. Because it is the source of life. They go out, they find, they search, they find it, and then they root themselves in the water, navigating the earth until they cement themselves in the water. I know several of you in here have done this, but uh, we don't do it as much as, as other parts of Texas, but we chop down trees, right? We chop them down. And what is the most difficult part of that? Getting the roots out, right? I'm grateful for friends like Danny Green that has a really big yellow tree remover, and you just ram it. But I don't know how normal people do it. We just run it over with a front end loader. But... These roots are the, are the difficult part to get rid of because they're so cemented in the earth. They are not easily removed from this place which they've cemented themselves in. They have cemented themselves in the source of life. And the fishermen in Ezekiel, they have to go to the water to catch the fish. And in Ezekiel 47 verse 9, it says that every living creature that swarms will live. Every living creature that swarms this water will live. Those that go to the source, the tree, the roots, the fishermen, the creatures that swarm, those that go to the source of life will find it, right? Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened. But what's the piece that we miss? We love to focus on the finding and we love to focus on the opening. But we miss the part of action that is required of us. At the beginning of all of these things, there is action required of us. And the question last week, are you ready? Are you ready for the restoration of relationships, restoration of the spiritual gifts in this house, and restorations of the Lord, restoration of the Lord's value system in our lives? It was interesting that Sarah had this word Monday because I also had a word Monday, and, um, and we're going to get into that this morning. But 
In order for this restoration to be received, what must first happen? Church, we talked about this several weeks ago, that there's a river of life that has come to sundown Texas. But what has to happen for us to reap the benefits of this river of life? We have to go to it. We have to take a step towards it. The roots of these trees navigated themselves into the river of life. The fishermen went to the source. The creatures that desired life, these creatures swarmed to this river. We must step into the river. We can't just answer the question. We cannot just simply answer the question, are you ready, with a yes. The Lord asked that question last week, and I told you of this testimony of when I was in college, I was at a conference uh, called World Mandate on on Baylor's campus in their gym, and and it was just a missions-focused conference, and it's the last day, it's Sunday, and we're worshiping in there, and we're singing this song, Oceans, and I'd heard it before, but I'd never heard it uh, live. I had never had the opportunity to worship to it. And as I'm worshiping to this song, At this conference, the Lord dared me in a way to ask for that prayer that you sing in that song. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wonder. That I would have trust without borders. He's like, ask me for it. And so I said, okay. And I asked him for it. And then he brought me to sundown. So if you don't want to end up in the middle of nowhere, don't ask the Lord to take you deeper than your feet would ever wander, because my feet would have never wandered to Sundown, Texas. But last week, as I'm, I'm laying at the altar, answering this question for myself of, are you ready? The Lord hit me with this moment of, this is what this path, it has led you to this moment at the altar. This path. And I say that and I share that testimony so that we can recognize the gravity and the weight of what the Lord is about to do, if we are ready to receive it. If the answer to that question is yes, there are profound things ahead. But we have to recognize as well that we cannot just simply say yes to this question, that yes, I'm ready. As we can see in these passages in Ezekiel 47 and Psalm 1, action is required, church. Action is required of you. If you are a child of God, You have been anointed for a purpose, and that purpose is not to simply gather on a Sunday in a room of like-minded individuals. That is not your purpose. Your purpose is to not simply find yourself here once a week. That is not it. This is to be a place in which you are recharged, you are energized, you are encouraged, and then sent back out into your purpose. There is purpose that the Lord has for you, but it will not be found only in here. So much of it is out there. There's action that is required. You must move towards the river. An action required of the believer that will place them in, in the river. And in, in this, this Lord, the Lord continued to bring me to this question of responsibility. And responsibility means, it, the definition is the fact of being answerable and or accountable for something within one's power, control, or management, to take responsibility of the opportunities presented by the Father. The Lord is speaking this this word to us. It is your responsibility now, because you have said yes. I will be faithful to do it, but your responsibility in this moment is to step into it. That is your responsibility. And this word has come come up a lot for me over the years, Um, as a husband, a father, a friend, a youth pastor, head pastor, There's just a lot. I understand that word a lot more than I ever did. I understand it when my dad was trying to teach me about it when I was a kid and I just couldn't grasp 
why everything was such a big deal. And uh, now I understand. I understand the responsibility that he had as a father to make sure that I didn't turn up and turn out to be a knucklehead, but was somebody that uh, advanced the kingdom of heaven and was, uh, was walking in purpose and identity. But there was a responsibility to do these things. And in recognizing all that I'm responsible for, what happens is I begin to take notice of how small of a sense of responsibility exists in our culture today. I have an example. It, 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 drives, it drives me insane, but I can't get mad, and you'll understand why I can't get mad. But I was in Target this week. I was washing my hands in the restroom. They're out of paper towels. I noticed that, but I'm washing my hands, whatever I'll make do. A kid comes in, an employee comes in with paper towels. Praise Jesus. And he goes to stick the little key in the thing, and it's not locking, it's not locking. So what does he do? He just puts it down and walks away in frustration. I was just wondering if he's going to get another key or something. So I leave. I come back. Still sitting there. And I, this is a, a small example But what was the mentality of that kid when he walked away? Somebody else's problem. They'll be fine. They can pull it and rip it off themselves. How many times have you... This is such a silly... I don't know why we're talking about restrooms, but that's where we're at, so we're just going to roll with it. How many times have you walked into a bathroom and there's a paper towel rack and a paper towel next to it? Not in that rack, right? And I see this all the time. I've seen this... uh, I, I was at Home Depot this week. I, I really, I love, I, love, I love the generation that's coming up, but there's some things. And I go to ask one of the Home Depot people for help, who's a younger guy, um, and I start talking to him, and he's on his phone. And he's, what's up? I'm, and I'm, just, I'm just talking at this point. I don't know, I just walk away. But he eventually helps me, but there's no sense of responsibility in the world any longer. And I dealt with this as a coach and as a, as a youth pastor. We dealt with this. There, there was no level of or sense of responsibility for the task that had been assigned to me. If, if it didn't work out, it's because somebody else didn't, did it wrong. I couldn't do my job because they didn't do theirs good enough. Right? And this is, this is what we see in, in troves. This is overwhelming our youth today. This, this lack of responsibility. But unfortunately, what we do in this culture is we point fingers and say, look at this generation, this sorry generation. These kids that aren't doing anything right. We're doomed. There's no hope for this country, right? Look at our future. Look at the leaders. Look at what they're blah, blah, blah. And we just point and we criticize, point and we criticize, point and we criticize. But where do you think they learned that behavior? Who taught me responsibility? The men in my life that decided to step up and teach me responsibility taught me responsibility. They they decided to make a choice. But there is no sense of responsibility because they have not been shown how to be responsible for their story and for their lives. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are His workmanship, His vessels for good works, His hands and His feet. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. 
God making His appeal through us. We are the vessels in which He makes His appeal to the entirety of the world. He makes His appeal. He reveals His heart and His nature to the world through us. But these two scriptures have not been put on display. Instead, unfortunately, in our culture, what has been put on display is a model of it's someone else's problem. Or someone else will come along. That statement that Sarah said in sharing this, that growing weary in this assignment or growing weary in, I want you to understand that if you are growing weary, oftentimes we grow weary because we're standing still. It is a lot easier to feel accomplished when I'm moving forward. And I get tired a lot faster if I've ceased to move. Weariness is, is not of God. He does not want you to grow faint. He does not want you to grow weary. In the Spirit of God, where is the Spirit of God in Scripture weary? And we are His vessels. And so oftentimes we find ourselves weary because we have found ourselves standing still, refusing to move into what the Lord is calling us into. Like I said, if you answered yes to this question, are you ready? But you are continuing to stand still, you will grow weary. Because you're not meant to. You're meant to move forward. We talked about this uh, months and months ago, uh, nearly a year ago now, when the Israelites came to the water. And, the, and, and Pharaoh is behind them. And they feel like they have nowhere to go. They feel like the Lord just led them into the wilderness to die there. Because there must not have been enough graves in Egypt. Because that's immediately who they believe their God to be. But what was the command of God? Move forward. Why are you still talking to me? Why are you still wondering what to do? I've already told you what to do. Move forward. Step into what the Lord has called you to do. But unfortunately, we live in this world with what is being put on display is it's someone else's problem and someone else. What has existed oftentimes in the church is this belief is someone else will come along and do it if I'm not willing to step into it. I'm scared to step into it. The Lord will send somebody else. No. The Lord wants you, and He's called you for a reason. This is not for anyone else to do. It's for you to do. If you find yourself here and now in Sundown, Texas, there is an assignment for you. And I'm telling you, this assignment, the second you step into it, you will find yourself in the fullness of blessing and provision. But we have got to remove this mentality of that it is someone else's problem or someone else will come and do it. The people of God. Let me ask you this question. With this mentality of someone else will do it, and everyone in here, including myself, has thought this. So don't say, you, oh no, I always, I always jump in on the, when the Lord says. No, we, we have all experienced that fear that cripples us and paralyzes us, and then we just kind of slowly start stepping away from it. We've all done this. Everyone has done this. We've thought someone else will do it. Someone else will come. But again, people of God, has anyone else done it? And has anyone else come? Look at the world. Is anyone else coming? Do you trust another church to come and be planted in Sundown, Texas to do the work that the Lord has assigned this house to do? No. No. You are it. And you are here. Full of the Spirit of God for such a time as this. He has not called you so that you can ignore it and then he can eventually just call somebody right back. It's not a vending machine. It's not a revolving reel. He has chosen you and there is a task for you and there are lives attached. 
I, this is something that gets me all the time, keeps me in check, but there are lives, and this is a harsh statement, but it's a true statement. There are lives attached to our obedience, and there are lives attached to our disobedience. I am here today because someone chose to be obedient. Coach Connie in Tulsa, Oklahoma at First United Methodist Church chose to be obedient to God, and she led a seven-year-old to Jesus. I could put you on the spot on the floor when I hit my knees and encountered the Spirit of God. She chose to be obedient. I didn't stay the path. You guys all know this. I, I, I did as much as I could to make as much of a mess of my life as quickly as possible. And I was really good at it. But there were men that chose to be obedient to what the Lord had called them to do for me and in me that because of that I can stand before you now and I can raise my boys to know the Lord, to walk in the identity that the Lord has called them to be. I can raise my kids that they would understand who the Lord has created them to be, that they would only step into those things. They would never step into the turmoil that I existed in for so long. This is the nature of God, and this is the nature of obedience. There are lives attached. Those men that invested in my story did not know Liam and Kai or Eden. They don't know my kids. Some of them will never know my kids. But because of their obedience, my kids are transformed. Do you hear what I'm saying? There are lives attached to your obedience. No one else is coming to do this because it is ours to do. And I understand that there's a mess, not just, not just, in, sun, just in the world in general, that we did not cause. But because you are created to be and carry the solution, the Lord has called you into it. There are issues that you are not a part of making, but the Lord has called you to be the solution. Do you hear what I'm saying? The value system of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can be described easily. They see a mess they did not make, and they run to it. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they see a mess they did not make. They see hurt they did not cause. They see a void of joy they did not empty. They see hopelessness they did not introduce. And what does the Trinity do? They run to the mess. They run to the mess with restoration, reconciliation, healing, hope, and joy. With solutions beyond this world, healing beyond understanding, joy overflowing, and hope that cannot be taken but only given up. And if we are his body, church, and if he is the head and the spirit of God, the heart of this body, we are an extension of him. So how then can we, the body, not reflect the heart and mind that is within us? You have a responsibility to do so, to reflect the heart and mind in which you claim. If you claim to be a part of the body of Christ, then only he can be the head and only the spirit of God can be the heart. To be the body is to reflect him. To, to reflect the, run, the one who runs towards the fire and not away from it. If you want change in Sundown, Texas, this just feels, this morning is just a follow-up of last week of this question. Are you ready? Because I felt, I felt a lot of us say yes. But then a lot of us kept standing right where we were. We didn't step into it. We said we're ready, but now comes the part that becomes difficult, and that's taking the step of trust and faith into what the Lord has called you to do.
But if you want change, church, it is as simple as you go be change. You go be the difference. You have a responsibility to do so. If you want to see change, if you want to see the kingdom of heaven established in sundown Texas, then go establish it. Go and change the culture. But again, how do we do that? We don't do it from this building. We do it from being where they are. That was one of the greatest things about uh, being uh, a part of the youth ministry here was that I had the opportunity to be where the kids were. Because if I was here Monday through Friday, just waiting on kids to come, they're not coming. Because where are they? They're across the street. They're on the football field. They're in the classroom. That's where they were. So if you want to mentor to those kids, where do you got to go? You got to go to where they are. And it's the same with the adults in this community. If you want to transform the culture of Sundown, Texas, you don't do it from listening to me and singing, to, singing a few songs on Sunday. That is not how it happens. It happens because we go to where they are and engage them where they are. Engaging the culture. And establishing and, and introducing them to purpose and identity and to the change that the Lord has for this community. But... The other thing that we need to keep in check, and I say this, um, I, I, this is only something I can say to this house, to this church, but something that we have to stop doing, we have to stop complaining about the issues that we are unwilling to be a part of solving. If you are unwilling to engage the culture that has so many problems, then you are not allowed to criticize that culture. You hear what I'm saying? That is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. But it exists in the church. Because what do we do? What, what did I do in college? You know what I did? I would go to two different churches, sometimes three, in a week. I like their worship, but I like this pastor. And then I like, I like this guy that teaches Wednesdays, and so I don't go to the other two. So what did I do? I, I treated church as a buffet. And that's what we do to the Lord. We just treat him like a buffet that we can just shop. Because we find things about a church that we're like, well, this isn't perfect, eh, so I'm going to go somewhere else. And Randy used to say this all the time, but if you find a perfect church, you turn around, you leave, because you're going to mess it up. You don't get more perfect, right? We have to be willing to engage with a mess that we did not make, with issues that we have not caused, but you carry the perfect solution. You carry heavenly solutions that will transform and restore relationships, hearts and minds, and the culture. The power of God, Psalm 62, 11, it says the power belongs to God. Only Him. It is only Him who commands and wields the power, but guess what? He dwells within you. He calls you His temple that houses His presence. The one with power dwells within you. So don't for a second think that you do not have the power to be the difference that you desire to see. If you desire to see a culture shift in sundown Texas, this has been what we've prayed for over and over and over and over and over again, that we desire for sundown to look more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country. If you want that to become reality, you've got to introduce the culture to the kingdom. It's the woman and the leaven and the flour. It was so mixed together that you could no longer separate the two. 
The kingdom of heaven, now is the time to interweave it and intertwine it and introduce it to the culture of sundown Texas in such a way that you could not separate the two even if you tried. But for too long, the church has done their very best to keep what the Lord has separate from the culture of this world. When the Lord desired for the culture of this world to be overwhelmed by what he has. No more. We're bridge builders, not dividers. You understand? We are not here to destroy. We are here to build up. And the only way you can... I can't build a house by staring at the land from a distance and just waiting for the timber to start putting itself together. I've got to go where I want to put it and I've got to build it. If you want change here, go where change is needed and be the difference. Because the Lord has anointed you to be the solution. Why wait? For another solution, when you've already been anointed and all of heaven has been released and made open to you, every resource that you will ever need, all the provision on heaven and earth has been made available to you for what the Lord is calling you into right now. All you have to do is say yes and move forward. And that is your responsibility to do so. We've got to understand that there is a level of accountability to walking with Jesus. No longer I who live, but Christ in me. So the second I start taking the reins back, I will answer for that. Because I have a responsibility to say yes to the word and the covenant and the promise that I made to him, that it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. This is not my life, this is his. To do with what he needs to do with. Your life is but a mist and the days are full of evil. We have no time to waste on this earth. So step into what the Lord has called you to step into. And I promise you, you will not see, you will not find yourself knocked to your knees. You will find yourself stepping into provision and blessing. Right? What do we know about the valley that the Lord has called us into? This valley of dry bones that the Lord would have us go to and speak over. That we would climb out of this valley with a restored people. The Lord has called us into this valley. But you cannot bring restoration to places you are unwilling to go but you are anointed to go. And you are anointed to speak life over dry bones that they would become anew. And not just anew, but they would become better than they've ever been. Restored to a full might that they've never known. That we could go into the valley and speak over this, these dry bones that are in sundown Texas and what would come out is a kingdom people, not a broken people, not a lost people. In Jesus' name, but you, you have been called. You have the ability, the authority, and the anointing to do what the Lord is calling us into. And so again, I'll ask, are you ready? But the question is not, are you ready for what the Lord is doing? Are you ready to step into what he's called you to do? That's the question. Are you ready to say yes? You will grow weary standing still. What do we know about being stagnant? The source of life, your body, 70% water, this earth, majority water. But what happens when it ceases to move? This thing that we need for life. You can go for a long time without food. Can't go very long without water. But what happens if you drink water that doesn't move? The thing that you need for life will be the thing that kills you. You are not meant to stand still. The river is flowing. You are meant to, you are meant to get in it. To be washed by it. You hear what I'm saying? To be rooted in it. So if you find yourself, if, you, if that word from Sarah resonates with you, that you've grown weary, you're ready and you've said yes, but you've grown weary 
of this task, I'm telling you right now, just step into it with boldness. If you need help, or if you're confused about what it looks like, come talk to somebody. Come talk to one of us. Come talk to me. We can talk about it, and we can pray through it, and we can understand what the Lord has for you in this. But stop standing still. Are you ready to step in to what the Lord has for you? Because you have a responsibility to do so. And we need to take ownership of this. There is a great responsibility to answer the call that the Lord is sending out right now. A great responsibility. I, I was listening to a song uh, this week. I just, I, I don't know how I found it, but I found it. And the song is called Yet. And it's, it's a younger generation. It's kind of young college-age kids now, um, which I... I forget how old I am, but I feel very out of touch with that group now. Um, but this song, they're leading this song and they recorded, it was kind of like a house worship thing. And the song is called Yet. And the main line in this song is God, don't give up on me yet. And there's this generation of these young college kids, they're singing this song and the entirety of the room is just weeping as they beg the Lord to not give up on them yet. And that didn't sit right with me. I just, I couldn't understand, not that they were, not that they were hurting, it was a beautiful moment of worship, I'm not criticizing that, but the, that statement, God, don't give up on me yet. How do you think that the God of this universe that sent His Son to die before you even took your first breath, before you even made your, before you committed your first sin, He sent someone to die and cover, cover your mistakes? How can we think that that God would ever give up on us? And the Lord hit me because they've been given up on. And so this is the model of God in which they know. We have a culture of men who leave. We have a culture of of men who say no. How many times have we we seen a, a young mom just consumed by her phone, not her children, right? This is the world, and I'm not dogging on her. This is the world. This is the model in which we, are, we have been putting on display for the people around us. And now our kids have this belief of God that if they don't continue in the process, he'll give up on them because we gave up on them. Because instead of engaging the culture, we stood back and we pointed our finger at all the things wrong with these kids. These kids know all the things wrong. They don't need us highlighting it. And I'm telling you right now, I am, if it's not for the grace and goodness of God, I would be terrified to raise children in this climate. There is so much. We have kids introduced to pornography in school now. In elementary school. This is what, this is what, Our country is showing our kiddos. Our kids are starting up, having to walk uphill. It's not easy. And what do they need? They need to know that there are people that stand with them and for them. And those are the people of God. That they would see in this appeal that we would make for Jesus and for the Lord, the the appeal that they would see is that it does not matter what you do, what you say, who you are, where you come from. He will never give up on you. He will always pursue you to the ends of this earth. If that is to exist, 
we must step into what the Lord has for us now. Because there are a lot of kids. I've seen this as a coach, as a youth pastor. I don't know how many times I would see a kid look up to see his family and not see anyone. They would do something and they would have some success and they'd get excited and what do they want to do? They want to look up to mom. They want to look up to dad, brother, sister, and there wouldn't be anybody there. These kids, this generation of kids has been given up on, especially by the church. We criticize the things that they walk in because we don't understand them. I don't know what it is to live knowing how to work an iPad since you're itty-bitty. My daughter... She's not even two. And I've got face ID and codes on my phone. That kid can get into my phone like that. She doesn't hit a code and she doesn't have my face. Praise God. But she gets into my phone with ease every time. These kids understand more and they're, they're acclimating to this world better than we are. But that is not their fault and that is not a mistake that they're making. This is the world that we're in. Are we going to engage it or are we going to criticize it? But there is a generation of people that are now pursuing the Lord, a generation of kids pursuing the Lord with this thought that He might give up on them. And another line is this song is, God, I know I'm not your best bet. Yeah. It's heartbreaking that these people are praying and they're they're interceding and the request they're making is that the Lord would not abandon them because everyone else has. And it's time for us to step into the gap. To be those that never leave. To be the face that every time they look up, they don't have to know you, but every time they look up, they see you looking back with a smile on your face, with encouraging words being shouted. They don't need, they don't need you right next to them. They just need to know that you're there. Engage the culture. You have a responsibility to do so. Because there is a generation that is growing up with this belief that God might give up on them and that they're not the best bet, but God's just working with what He's got to work with. And that is not the case. The Lord made us with significant purpose to be vessels for the kingdom of heaven in the presence of God to carry it, the hands and feet of Jesus. What a powerful job. What what a purposeful title. We are holy and anointed. We are royalty and co-heirs with Christ. And you will not be given up on. And you are his best bet. He wants you to do it. If he's called you to it, it's not because he's like, oh, I got to work with what I got. He's calling you because he's like, I want that one to do this job. This one is anointed. This is the one that will be the perfect solution for this place, for this time, and this issue. They are the perfect solution. You are anointed perfectly for what the Lord has next. You are a perfect answer to prayers you have not heard. Situations you have not walked into yet, but you are perfectly equipped to be this answer. But the time is now. There's no more waiting. The time is now. Inconvenience yourself for a moment to create a new routine in your life. That Friday nights you're you're in the same place as this community. Thursday nights, you're in the same place as this community. On the, when we have oil patch day, you're there, present. You don't have to have kids to attend these things. You just have to have a heart that is willing to establish the kingdom of heaven in these places that you go. That's what the Lord needs and that's what the time 
That's, that's what the time requires right now. Because again, there is a generation growing up feeling abandoned. And will we stand for it? No. We will step into it and we will change it. Amen? Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.